Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. Praise the Lord. So I, we have been spending a few weeks just on Acts 20. We were finally past that. Paul has left, um, I think they were in uh, Miletus, and his uh, companions uh, had said their final goodbyes to many Christians as Paul makes his way to Jerusalem in which he knows uh, that he's going to see suffering and pain and at some point uh, execution for what he believes, what he stands for. And verse, uh, verse 1 from chapter 21, after we tore ourselves away from them, the, the, the other Christians that were saying goodbye, and set sail, we came by direct route to Kos, the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera, Finding a ship crossing over Phoenicia, we boarded and set sail. After we sighted Cyprus, leaving it on the left, uh, we sailed to Syria and arrived at Tyre. So they they were near Greece, and, and they were making their way back to Syria. They're traveling there, uh, and it's because the ship was to unload cargo there. In verse 4, we found some disciples and stayed there seven days. Now, through the Spirit, they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And when our seven days were over there, we left to continue our journey, while all of them, with their wives and children, escorted us out of the city. After kneeling down on the beach to pray, we said goodbye to one another. Then we boarded the ship, and they returned home. Verse 7, when we completed our voyage from Tyre, we reached... Uh, Polydemus, where we greeted the brothers and stayed with them one day. The next day we left and came to Caesarea, where we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with them. This man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. While we stayed there many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He came to us and took Paul's belt, tied his own feet and hands, and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns his belt and deliver him to the Gentiles. And we heard this, both we and the local people begged him not to go to Jerusalem. So the Holy Spirit is telling people, let them know what's going to happen to Paul. And so they're worried about him. They said, don't go. This is not good. The Holy Spirit was talking back him back then, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us today. The Holy Spirit speaks through God's Word. Have you ever read Scripture and, and just a passage just jumps out and grabs you by the shirt collars? And you know that passage is meant for you. 
That's the Holy Spirit. Whenever you, uh, whenever you, uh, you ever felt conviction, you know your heart's not right with God, and you need to confess your sins and forsake them and turn to Christ, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Ever felt like you shouldn't do something, or you should do something, or you should start doing something, or you should stop doing something? That is the Holy Spirit guiding you. Holy Spirit has guided me throughout my life. Do you listen to when the Holy Spirit talks? Is it rhetorical? Good. Sometimes people don't listen. They don't pay attention. God wants all of you to make it to heaven. Did you know that? The Bible says that He's not willing that anyone should perish, but all that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. But people, my belief, and I believe this is biblical, anybody who goes to hell does so because they're bound to determine they want their own way. I want to do what I want to do. I want to live my own life. I want to make my own decisions. I don't want to be accountable to God. I don't want to be subservient to God. I want to be the own, my own God in my life. This week I witnessed the consequences of that kind of attitude. <clears throat> I don't know the man or his son who died. But I think I'm pretty safe in saying that at some point in their lives, God spoke to their heart to try to get them to go the right direction. This man, we know that he was he was he was driving his truck on 6084, and 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 somebody I don't know if they cut him off or what, but he got mad at them and began driving like a maniac. And the wreck was so so violent, the engine and transmission were ripped from the truck. This man's temper, this, the sin in this man's heart launched him and his son into eternity, leaving behind a broken widow screaming out, Why? It says that the wages of sin is death. Did you know that? Sin will pay what it owes. It'll pay the wages. And it'll do so without warning and without mercy. But do you know who has mercy? See, the flip side of the second part of that scripture verse, the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The free gift. And the Holy Spirit cries out to everybody. Oh, if we would only listen to the Spirit. 
Verse 13, then Paul replied, so they were crying, right? They were weeping, please don't go, please don't go. You know, Jerusalem, you're going to die. Don't do it, don't go. And, and he replied, right, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. He was ready to die. Verse 14, since he would not be persuaded, we stopped talking and simply said, the Lord's will be done. That was his attitude. The Lord's will be done. I don't know what the future holds for any of us. For our country, a lot of turmoil right now. But I know whatever God wants of me, I owe him too much. God saved my life. Saved my soul. Changed me from this, this wicked, angry, miserable, bitter young man into a Christ follower. I have so much more peace in my life than I had before. I have so much uh, more um, joy in my life. Because of Christ. And you know what I have now that I didn't have before? Hope. And so if the Lord determines that I need to go to jail or prison for him, the Lord determines that I need to die for him, the Lord determines that I need to all lose all my wealth, everything I own, and Missy and I rely on you guys to give us a room once in a while. So we have a, play, we have a shelter, or maybe just less. I uh, set up a tent in your backyard. I'd be happy to do that. You're a wonderful guy. Thank you. You're a giving guy. Because people who want to take are, are, are selfish in nature. Jesus said it's better to give than receive. And that's, so that's what we endeavor to live, to give. <clears throat> um, verse 15. After these things, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea our uh, Caesarea, man, I can't talk today, also went with us and brought us to uh, Mason, uh, Cypriot, and an early disciple whom, with whom we were to stay. When we reached Jerusalem, the brothers welcomed us gladly. The following day, Paul went with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related in detail what God did among the Gentiles through his many ministries. So Paul comes to the apostle James and other church, major church leaders of Jerusalem, and tells them all the wonderful things that God is doing for the Gentiles, those who are not Jewish. 
Because that was a surprise to Jewish Christians. Early Jewish Christians thought that Jesus was just coming to save them. They didn't realize that Jesus was coming to save everybody. And that was, that was amazing. And so they, they were excited about that. They didn't realize that. And so Paul's telling them about this. And verse 20, when they heard it, they glorified God and said, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are who have believed, and they're all zealous for the law. Now here's where we run into a problem. But they've been told about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to abandon Moses by telling them not to circumcise their children or walk in our customs. Rumors have started. See? Rumors in churches have been a problem from the very beginning. I always try to bow that in our church, keep that from happening as much as possible. We don't put faith, you know, facades on. We are who we are. If we have a problem with one another, we talk about it. Gossip and rumors. I talked before too how, how we're all going to offend each other at some point. And if I haven't offended you yet, I will. Because that's what people that's what people do, right? We we annoy each other. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Brothers and sisters annoy each other, right? <laughs> Lisa, yeah. <laughs> right. So we forgive one another. There's so much in the Bible about forgiving one another. You know why? Because we need it constantly. And so here, Paul's dealing with rumors about him. False rumors, by the way. You see, the Jewish people have, have the law given by God, and there were certain ceremonial practices they, they followed and did this for thousands of years. Well, when Jesus died, a law that was no longer, the ceremonial stuff was no longer necessary, but that's going to take time because they've been doing it for thousands of years, right? I wouldn't expect them to just immediately stop. I would totally respect that. If you need to rain ceremonial clean, if you need to eat kosher, I had I have friends still that, that are messianic Jews. They're Jewish people that believe Jesus is the Messiah. Jewish people from Israel. Yeah. You met, we've been talking about Joshua. I tell you, uh, he's Jewish. They, they're all we'll talk in Kingdom Kids. I will explain all that. We kind of need to go at the beginning. So with that, so that right now is not the. You're fine. We're we're gonna learn all that. That's a good question. So the short answer, Anna Lee, is when Adam and Eve sinned, God created a plan. He had a plan to save mankind because sin was now part of us and part of our lives. And we were separated from God. And so God had a plan to save us, to rescue us. But part of that plan involved setting aside a group of people to, to, to somewhat live morally and, 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 and have a lineage to where Jesus would be born. And that, that special people, Annalie, is it, it are the Israelites originally called Israelites? I don't want to say that now, but the Bible calls them Israelites, uh, and the the, the the Jewish people, the people of Israel. Okay, 
Um, and uh, that's that's a short answer. So the uh, Jewish people are people that that God had set aside to be a major part in His plan to to rescue all of us. Um, good question. So they glorified God. They were all excited. But there's a rumor that you know you're telling other Jewish people to abandon Moses, abandon all this law, this ceremony, everything, to not circumcise their boys, to, um, and and that was you know horrible. I, and so that really bothered them. I, and that was completely untrue. Verse twenty-two. So what is to be done? They're going to hear that you've come. And, and instead of reading all of this, basically what he did was he went with some guys and, and purified himself according to Jewish law. So that everybody would know, no, I haven't told anybody to stop following uh, the law. And so he quelched that. And what can we learn? So we're not Jewish. We don't follow a ceremonial law. What can we get from this? What can be our takeaway from this? Well, one, Paul is an example here for us. And whenever, sometimes as Christians, we're going to be placed in difficult circumstances. And, there, and a problem and a conflict can arise even in the church. So what, what do we do? Number one, Paul worked for peace. He didn't argue. You notice he didn't get mad about it that we know of. He didn't, he didn't, you know, I just automatically say, well, they're liars, you know. I don't know who those guys are, but they're just troublemakers. And, uh, and he, he worked for peace. And, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll definitely uh, do whatever I need to do to maintain peace. Um, and another, he, he was all things to all people. Um, Paul... Um, was good at respecting the, the customs and beliefs of whoever he was with. And we as Christians need to do that. There are some Christians that are more liberal than us. There are some Christians that are more conservative than us. I have friends who are Mennonites, and they don't believe in listening to the radio in their car. And so when I'm with them, I'm not going to turn my radio on. I don't want to do anything to be a stumbling block to my brother. He takes... See, they're just trying to be careful, and I can appreciate that. As much sin as there is in the world, I can totally appreciate them trying to be careful. And so I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want to cause my brother to sin. So even though I, I have freedom I, in, in that regard, I don't feel uh, I can listen to, to the radio without any trouble. Um, I'm not going to do that with, with them in the car. And that's what kind of I see Paul doing. Whoever he's with, he respects what is in their heart. What's important to them? Um, uh, verse 27, As the seven days were about to end, the Jews from Asia saw him in the temple complex, stirred up the whole crowd, and seized him, shouting, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches everywhere against our people, our law in this place. What's more, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has profaned this holy place. 
My first question when I read that was, is, is this the same group of Jewish men who uh, attacked him in, 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 in further north in Syria? So he wasn't far from where he had issues with some Jewish men who were causing a bunch of trouble with him and, 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 and trying to get him killed. And so suddenly, in, you know, not too far away, there's some other guys. I'm pretty sure this is the same group. Uh, they've been trying to kill him uh, for a long time now. And so they stirred up the whole crowd and they seized him. <clears throat> you know, this morning I was thinking, um, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'll get back to that. So these troublemakers uh, in Syria uh, and, and they accuse him of bringing a Gentile into the Jewish temple, which defiles the temple. They didn't believe that was appropriate to do. It was sacrilegious. Okay. Uh, and, and, and which he wasn't doing. It says here, for they had previously seen Tropimus, the Ephesian, the city with him, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple complex. So they just assume the worst. You ever had people do that to you? Assume the worst? I remember in Florida, uh, one of our neighbors uh, had heard from somebody else that Missy was walking around the neighborhood in a miniskirt. Well, you know, Missy, that, 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 that didn't happen. But they, they, uh, whoever saw it thought, uh, thought for sure that it was Missy. And started spreading it around. Oh, I saw it with the miniskirt on. And, and uh, they assume the worst in us. Um, people are going to do that. That's constant. That's, that's always going to happen. Uh, so the Holy Spirit was stirred up. And they seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple complex. And at once the gates were shut. And as they were trying to kill him, so they're beating him, punching him, kicking him. Word came up to the commander of the regiment that all Jerusalem was in chaos. And so he took some soldiers and centurions and he immediately ran down. And seeing the command of the soldiers, they stopped, they stopped beating Paul when they saw the soldiers. Then the commander came up and took him into custody and ordered him to be bound with two chains. And he asked who he was and what he had, had done. He assumed he had done something really, really bad for a bunch of people to be beating on him like that. And some of the mob were shouting one thing and some another. And since he was not able to get reliable information, because of the uproar, he ordered him to be taken into the barracks. And when Paul got to the steps, he had to be carried by the soldiers because the mob's violent. So he, the mob was pushing in on him, trying to get to him and yelling and pushing. And so the soldiers had to pick him up and just carry him out. Where the mass of people followed yelling, take him away. And as he was brought into the barracks, Paul said to the commander, Am I allowed to say something to you? He replied, Do you know Greek? 
Aren't you the Egyptian who raised a rebellion some time ago and led 4,000 assassins into the wilderness? Paul said, I am a Jewish man from Tarsus of Cilicia, a citizen of an important city. Now I ask you, let me speak to the people. And after he gave him permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned with his hand to the people, and there was a great hush. He addressed them in the Hebrew language. Brothers and sisters, listen now to my defense before you. Paul was here standing before a crowd that wanted him dead, and he was going to give his defense. We need to always be ready to give a defense for why we believe what we believe. We need to know why. You should know why you believe what you believe. It should be well thought out. Verse 2, when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became quieter. He, he continued, I am a Jewish man born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel and educated according to the strict view of our patriarchal law, being zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I am, I persecuted this way to the death. Now, what's he talking about? Early on, Christianity was called the way. Christians were called followers of the way. And so that's what Paul's talking about. I persecuted this way to death. He persecuted Christians to their death. He went and hunted them down, had them arrested, and then knowing that they would eventually be executed because of their beliefs. Binding and putting both men and women in jail. Verse 5, as both the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. After I received letters from them to the brothers, I traveled to Damascus to bring those who were prisoners there to be punished in Jerusalem. So Paul un understands what this crowd is thinking because he was in this crowd not too long ago. He was part of it. He held some guy's coats while they stoned a guy to death. He was part of this crowd, but something happened. What changed him from being so anti-Christian that you would just be happy to see someone die because of it to becoming a proponent of Christ? Well, he says, as I was traveling and near Damascus, about noon, an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. This was what we call Paul's Damascus moment. Paul, this proud uh, religious leader who didn't know Jesus. I wondered this morning, I ne honestly never thought about this till this morning. Why did Paul, how did he not have ever seen Jesus? 
Because you see, Paul, about this point, when, when, he, when he came converted, he was about 31 years old, which means he just became a Pharisee. You start at 30 years old. So, he just became a Pharisee. He lived in Tarsus, which was a couple hundred miles from Jerusalem in Galilee. No, I'm sorry. Well, okay. I, I, couldn't find, I couldn't find how long it might have taken him back then, how many miles it was. I have modern roads, it's closer to 500 miles. So it was a long ways from where Jesus was. And that, and, and that distance, he probably traveled by ship the first time he was in Jerusalem. So that explains why he never met Jesus until after Jesus was resurrected. So he was, uh, so he, he was on this road, and he's on his way to pick up Christians who have been captured and held prisoner to bring them back to Jerusalem for a trial and probably execution. When Jesus shows up in his life. And this proud Pharisee gets knocked to the ground in the dirt. And he's struck blind. He can't see for several days. Completely humbled. His life forever changed. One of my favorite books I, written by Rosalind Butterfield uh, called Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. It's her testimony. And she said, one of my favorite quotes from the book is, conversion is too polite a word for the train wreck that occurs when one comes face to face with the living God. And that's absolutely true. Your whole life is turned, if, if you've been living a life of deep sin and you come face to face with the true God, that just flips everything upside down. And that's what happened to Paul. And so Paul is giving his testimony here. Uh, I'm And verse 9, Now those who are with me saw the light, this bright light, but they didn't hear a voice of the one who was speaking to me. Then I said, What should I do, Lord? And the Lord uh, told me, Get up and go to Damascus, where you will be told about everything that was assigned for you to do. What do I do? You know, there are times in our lives where we don't have no clue what to do next. Situation arises, I don't know what to do, God. God, I believe this wholeheartedly, that if you are serious, if you're not playing games with God, if you will wait on God and seek His guidance, God will lead you. And God and the Lord uh, led Paul. And Paul actually spent a few days in fasting and prayer. He doesn't say it here. It's in earlier in Acts. We've already talked about it. Paul was blind, couldn't see anything. He didn't eat or drink for three days. And he just spent time in prayer. 
if you're ever in a bad, tough situation, I encourage you to spend some time in fasting and prayer. I've had people who are going through very significant things in their lives and they had no idea what to do. And they, and they, and they said they were looking for God's help. And I, I'd say, so have you spent any time fasting and praying about this? And they said, no. And I wonder if it was really that important to them. But Paul had no appetite. Everything had changed for him. Verse 11, since I couldn't see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came to Damascus. And then someone named Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good reputation with all the Jews residing there, came and stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And that very hour I looked up and saw him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the sound of his voice. For you will be a witness for him to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now why delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins by calling on his name. I want you to know that. Your sins are forgiven and washed away when you call on the name of Jesus. It's not by anything else you do. There's no other process. Baptism is an outward symbol of what has already happened inside your heart. You don't have to give so much money. You don't have to follow some procedure. All you do is cry out to Jesus. And ask him for help. Verse 17, after I came back to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple complex, I went into a visionary state. I saw him telling me, hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. But I said, Lord, they know that in synagogue after synagogue, I had those who believed in you imprisoned and beaten and when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I was standing by and approving it. And I guard the clothes of those who killed him. Then he said to me, go, because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Where is God sending you? If God decides to send you somewhere far away later in your life, would you be willing to do so? Or if God decides that you should stay right here for Him, are you willing to do so? Like Isaiah said, you know, who in, in his prophecy in heaven they cry out, Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. I want to be used by the Lord. I want to be used by Him. However that looks like. And in this case, I'm being used by God to preach the Word. But I've been used by God to clean bathrooms. I've been used by God to fix cars. I've been used by God 
to buy somebody's groceries. However that looks, however each new day could be something new, I want to be ready to be used by Him and for His glory. And that's where we'll stop for today. Let's stand. Sir Paul for dinner. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, servantsheartchapel.org. We also have a Facebook page. So you're welcome to check us out. Love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.